Our first uh, scripture reading this morning is a Palm Sunday uh, passage from Matthew's Gospel. So I invite you to follow along as I read from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they, and that means Jesus and the disciples, had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, who is this? The crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the story is told about a couple of guys um, who were uh, working at a TV station in Canada and they got trapped one night because of a very, very bad snowstorm. Now, one of the guys was a uh, photo editor and the other guy was a sports editor. And because they couldn't leave and were trapped at the station, they wanted to entertain themselves by playing a game. And they wanted to do something that was different than the games that they were uh, accustomed to, like Scrabble. And so they created a game not about words, but about world events. And the, the game centered around uh, six journalists' questions. Who, what, where, when, why, and how. And this game became very popular. And so they wrote to Parker Brothers, who also liked it. And that game has been on the shelves of toy stores and department stores ever since 1979. Trivial Pursuit with its 6,000 questions and six different categories. Well, we move from Trivial Pursuit to what I hope will be a meaningful pursuit this morning as we look at John chapter 10. Because in John chapter 10, Jesus makes two astonishing claims. He says, I am the gate. Now he also says, I am the good shepherd. I shared that in a previous sermon as how Jesus is the good shepherd. But this week, the question for us is, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the gate? And so I wanna invite you to join me as I read from John chapter 10, John 10 verses one through 10. Again, you can follow along on the screen. Jesus here speaking says, very truly I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. 
and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, if you think about it, uh, a gate has uh, two major functions. First, it serves as an entrance and an exit. A gate is an opening that provides you access uh, to what is ever on the other side. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through the gate will be saved. In other words, what I think Jesus is saying is that he is the gate between this lost, messed up world and the sheepfold of God's love and care. Jesus says, I am the gate. Now notice, as we've talked about in previous sermons, Jesus does not say, I am a gate or I am one of many gates. He says, I am the gate. In other words, the only gate. And there is no other, just as he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And as I've asked you before, I'll ask you once again this morning. It's a really important question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only gateway into the presence of God? If you do, I hope you do. You are very much in the minority in our society today. We, we live in a, a marketplace of a, of a, a variety of religious options. It, it seems that every belief subscribed to in the history of human civilization is now available to us. And basically, it's kind of an ideology or a belief system that says, well, it really doesn't matter which gate you go through. You can go through the North Gate or the South Gate or the East Gate or the West Gate or the Bill Gate. It doesn't matter. It will all lead you to God. But all gates don't lead to the same place, do they? Now, some of you may think, oh, gosh, John, it's, it sounds to me like you're, you're putting down other religions. And my answer to you would be, no, I'm not. I'm simply following in obedience to what Jesus said. Because, you see, for me, I don't see Jesus' statement here as an indictment against other religions because there's no founder of any other religion that can make the claims that Jesus made about himself. We've been uh, studying the life of Jesus on Wednesday nights, and there's simply no parallel figure to Jesus Christ in all of history that has had this kind of profound impact. You can go down the line and name them. Muhammad, Confucius, Buddha, Gandhi, Moses, David, none of them were as reliable, as definitive, or as truthful in their claims as this Jewish carpenter from Nazareth and the claims he made about himself. As Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ is the sole gateway through whom all people must enter 
into the presence of God. I don't think that Jesus was being particularly arrogant, even though he had every right to say it. Instead, I think he's giving us a promise, a tender-hearted promise, that we can depend upon his words, that who he says he is is indeed the truth. When my uh, son Tim was in eighth grade, he was at a soccer practice. And uh, one day at soccer practice, he caught a soccer ball in his eye at close range and with a lot of force. So his eye was a bloodshot and swollen and he was not able to see very well. So we took him to the eye doctor in town and they referred us to a specialist where it was determined that he had a detached retina. It's a potentially blinding condition in which fluid gets uh, underneath the, uh, the, 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 uh, the retina and it kind of pulls it away, lifts it away from the back of the eye. So they tried this one uh, procedure, they called it like a freezing technique, uh, and that was in the hopes of having to avoid any major surgery, but it didn't work. And I don't think I have to tell you how hard it is to watch your child go through something like that. It's awful, and if I could have traded with Tim, I would have done it in a New York minute. It's a helpless feeling as a parent. I know that so many of you have been there. So that left us with a one option, a surgical procedure called a sclerobuckle, in which it's like putting a band around the eyeball to help hold the retina in place. It's a very delicate surgery, and there are no guarantees. But God is so good. Let me tell you how. He gave us a surgeon, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Eifler, who happened to be at the time the eye doctor for the Carolina Hurricanes, the National Hockey League team that was playing in Raleigh, North Carolina. And Dr. Eifler was so kind and he was so gentle and he knew that we were anxious parents and he did his best to try to quietly calm our fears. And he told us, he said, there's only one way to repair Tim's retina and that is through the surgery. So let me say parenthetically that when Dr. Eifler came out of that surgery and, we, and met us in the waiting room. He didn't say that the surgery went well. He didn't say that it even went great. He said it went perfect. Today, Tim has to wear a contact lens in one eye, but there's a lot worse things in life than that. And his vision is fine because of that surgery. You know, some people think that Jesus here in the statement is, is making some rather narrow and exclusionary claims. His claims about being the gate, but I, I think, and maybe it's through this experience, I have a different view on that. Because there's no indication from this scripture that I have seen that Jesus said these words harshly, that he was wagging his finger in people's faces as he said, I am the gate. Instead, I believe, I believe that Jesus said them out of love as loving as a doctor is to nervous parents about the condition of their son. Friends, there is only one way to gain entrance into the heart of God. And Jesus says, I am the way. He says, I am the gate. So the gate's function is for being an entrance and an exit. The gate also offers protection. But what kind of protection? I don't have to tell you, we live in a pretty scary and dangerous world. 
In fact, in John chapter 10, Jesus talks about thieves and bandits and wolves. Look around, things going on here. There's still a war going on in Ukraine. There was a mass shooting this past week in Sacramento, California. It left six people dead. And then right here in Pennsylvania, two uh, state troopers were killed on I-95 when they were hit by a drunk driver when they were just helping a pedestrian. Today's business climate and economy is kind of frightening, isn't it? Which way is the stock market going to go? What about food prices? What about gas prices? It was a, a cartoon in the uh, Wall Street Journal that showed this high-powered CEO sitting behind his big desk. He has the phone receiver in his hand, and the caption reads, security, get me my blanket. <laughs> so, where do we find security in today's world? In the movie uh, Panic Room, Jodie Foster plays Meg Altman, the single mom who goes out with a realtor looking for a house. They find this house, but it's kind of interesting. There's this wall that looks a bit unusual and out of place in this house. And they discover that it's not just a wall, it's a room built by the previous owners. And the whole room is encased in steel. And then there's these TV monitors and all kinds of gadgets inside that room. It's a panic room. It's a safe haven. It's a place to use in times of trouble. And Meg, Jodie Foster says, well, I'm sure we'll never have to use it. Sure enough, three intruders make their way to the house one night, and she and her daughter have to dash into that uh, safe room and close the door. And the rest of the movie is all about those nasty intruders trying to get inside that panic room. So let me ask you, where is the panic room in your life? Where is the place that you run to for protection? Where will you run? If a major illness strikes your household, where will you run if your company tells you that they don't need you anymore? Where will you run if the political candidate you vote for doesn't win? My friends, our place of protection has been, is, and always will be Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And when I call them, they follow because I give them the protection they need and are looking for. You know, maybe that was what was on the people's minds as the first rays of the morning sun sort of shimmered against the gold on that temple in Jerusalem. Little children were walking around, waving their palm branches in the air. People were dashing back and forth across the street, laying their brightly colored clothes on the ground. Israel is ready to explode with excitement at this parade in Jesus' honor. They have pinned all their hopes on this man. And on Palm Sunday, Jesus leaves no doubt in anyone's mind as to who he is. You might want to think of uh, Jesus on Palm Sunday as a kind of ancient Clark Kent. Who, who emerges from a, a phone booth as a mild-mannered carpenter, but he, he's got this giant M on his chest, and he says, I am the Messiah. I come on a donkey, just like the prophet Zechariah foretold. I come during the Passover when people are thinking in their, in their minds about deliverance, and I come through the eastern gate of the city. Jesus said about himself, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. 
And of course, the people are shouting, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us now. Save us now. The people were so weary from being oppressed by the Roman Empire, humiliated by their soldiers. They're thinking, we've been taxed beyond belief to support the Roman Empire. Jesus, you're the Messiah. It's your job to lead us to victory. We've seen what you've done. We've seen your power. You have the power to raise people from the dead like you did with Lazarus. We know what you're capable of doing to the Romans. No, it won't be pretty. It won't be easy. But Jesus, we're ready. Let's go. Friends, the reason that Jesus rode through the gate on Palm Sunday was to create a kingdom where one day the gates will never be closed. No fear, no thieves, no bandits, no wolves, no alarms needed in our houses, no COVID, no hospitals, no economic uncertainties, no panic rooms, no reason for us to have fears or insecurities ever again. Today is Palm Sunday. Today is the official start of Holy Week. Everything that makes us a Christian takes place between today and next Sunday. And I don't think it's overstating it a bit to say that this is the most important week in the history of the world. So, don't get trapped into being apathetic observers on the sidelines of the parade. Don't get caught up in the pageantry of the parade and forget the one who rode in on a donkey for you and me. Don't get distracted reflecting on chocolate bunnies and coloring eggs and flowers and the new clothes you're going to wear next Sunday and all the dinner plans that you have to make after church next Sunday. If we do those things, then we will never allow ourselves to feel the weight of the wonder of the sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ for you and me. Oh, friends, what makes this gate beautiful is that we get to walk through it with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Indeed, O oh God, we give you thanks for the reminders of this week, beginning today on this Palm Sunday, and for the awareness of Jesus' love, protection, sacrifice, and saving grace as we move through this holy week. Help us to know that we are the sheep of your pasture, to allow us to take that bold step of faith forward as we enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise and in following you each and every day of our lives. Go with us now as we offer our allegiance and obedience to you, our God and King. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the gate. Amen. <laughs>